Welcome to the Teaching in Tech podcast with Alan and Chad. This podcast was developed with teachers in mind. We are glad to have you joining us on the podcast where we will dive into everything related to teaching, learning, and technology integration. Our goal is to inspire passion in teachers by discussing strategies and activities that have been successful in the classroom, along with ways to integrate technology for maximum student engagement. In each episode, we want to look at things teachers are doing that are working, detailing teaching strategies and technology integration ideas. Also, special guests will join us to share their own strategies that have been successful with their learners. All right, we'd like to welcome everybody back here. This is the fourth installment of Teaching in Tech with Alan and Chad, and uh, we're really excited today. We've got a special guest with us, uh, Chad Weaver, and we're going to be getting into some of the things that he's using in his classroom and some of the things that he's made successful. So, Chad, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to be here. So uh, one of the things we'd want to do with, as we bring in guests on the show is we want to talk a little bit with them just to find out more about their path in education. You know, for those of, us who, those of us who've been in the profession for a number of years, it's kind of interesting just to find out a little bit more about how they got into this profession. So give us a little bit of background. How did you get into teaching? Well, it's very interesting. Both my parents are teachers. My dad taught math for uh, 32 years in Mansfield City Schools, and then um, my mom was a stay-at-home mom, went back and became a science teacher. And of course, I didn't want to follow in their footsteps. Um, But my fourth grade teacher, Mrs. Tessar, was the one that actually realized I couldn't read. And so she would keep me after school two days a week. And my first book I ever read was Where the Bread Fern Grows. And from that point forward, I wanted to be a teacher. So didn't know what area, but that's how I got into it. Wow. The the Mansfield Tigers, the T.Y. Tigers. The T.Y. Tigers, yes. (laughs) So uh, here in Canton City School District, what do you teach? Uh, I teach engineering. This is my uh, 30th year of teaching. I started out in the uh, middle school at Lehman Middle School teaching technology education, moved on to the high school to teach the woodshop drafting and whatnot. And we basically phased that out as most of the districts have um, phased out woodshop per se, but um, and and turned it into something at a higher level. So all engineering is is woodshop on steroids. Um, It's got a little bit of math, a little bit of science embedded into it. And so, yeah, I've been teaching in engineering since 2004 in this district. All right. And, and the one thing, too, is we still also, when we talk about the carpentry and the building trades, we've got other avenues for that that kind of go beyond the wood shop. And Absolutely. Um, it's, it, it's great. Um, we do a lot of nice collaboration in career tech. Um, I have students that will take my intro courses, freshman, sophomore courses, realize engineering is not quite for them, um, but they're flourishing in welding and, auto, and carpentry right now. Um, one of the best carpentry students knows how to read prints because he learned it in my intro classes, and now he's going to town. So it, it's been a nice mix, you know, with the collaboration between the different programs. Yeah, yeah. All right, Chad, we had a chance to connect last week, kind of talk a little bit, and uh, one of the quotes you said to me, and it, it really stuck, was, teaching is easy and we're making it too hard. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, you know, um, so my passion obviously is for education. You know, I, I think I could, I look outside myself, what would I do if I wasn't teaching? And it would de- definitely be something in the CAD area or you know, working in manufacturing. But you have to love what you do. If you ask my students, it's funny, I'll have administrators come in and they'll say, you know, what did you learn today? Well, Mr. Weaver doesn't teach. I, I don't teach. I know how to do these things. I want them to learn how to do these things, and I tell my students, you need to think like I think. Now, I'm not trying to brainwash anybody. It's my arrogance to get them to be independent learners, right? So 
it, it we we do I don't I don't know how to really verbalize this but we just do school kids show up oh the state says I have to be here well let's make the best of it right so we have fun um, you know we we worry about our attendance I'm sure other districts do as to do as well um, and our our pre-conference here you're talking about how we're having issues with attendance my senior class right now, yesterday was the worst attendance I've had all year. I had two students absent. Wow. Yep. And then there was uh, two other days I had one student absent. Other than that, they've had perfect attendance. Wow, that's phenomenal. Yeah. And over the last, uh, I think, 19 years I've been teaching engineering, I have a 100% graduation rate. Okay. Because graduating from high school is a no-brainer. You just show up, you do your job, and if you can get the kids engaged, I know we talk about engagement all the time, but they don't want to sit and get they need to get busy you know teaching to i don't want to stand up here and lecture i mean i could go on probably for about three hours i know this podcast isn't that long um and so i can be very wordy behind the mic but get it to them and let them try it let them let fail them, let fail them do something yeah. absolutely yeah. fail often to succeed sooner so i want to play devil's advocate there you know you got a lot of content or core teachers that would say well you know i I've got a more scripted curriculum that I need to get through. Yours is more hands-on. You know, how does that relate to me? Gotcha. So it's about application. Okay, so when I do any grading, I don't. so I don't care if it's an English class, a history class, what is my end product? Okay, if it's a test at the end of the year, which we I know we're going to talk a little bit about teaching the test later on in this segment, um, but my hands-on approach <clears throat> is stuff I've designed. So if I look at my digital electronics curriculum, I need 168 45-minute periods to cover it all before the end of course at the end. Wow. Okay, not going to happen on a normal traditional high school schedule mm -hmm. because you have snow days, you have interrupted testing days, you have all kinds of little on and offs here. Um, so that's just if I do none of the, or I shouldn't say none, if I cut out um, some of the hands-on, I can cover all the, the curriculum. So as far as a prescribed curriculum, I still have my state standards like everybody else that I have to cover. So I have to find creative ways to get it in. What I found students don't like is if I tell them this is the standard we're covering because they don't care. Right. But when they see the end product, whatever that product might be, and we'll talk about writing. Um, and again, well, I guess we can kind of just go wherever we're going yeah, in this well, direction. Yeah, one thing I was ahead. just going to mention as yeah. far as you meant, talked about the standards a little bit. You know, that was a really big thing there for a while, posting your standards yeah. and starting every period with the standard and then reviewing the standards. Oh, it's a, it's a checkbox on an evaluation. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and at the end of the day with the kids, they don't care what the state standard is. Right. So if you can teach that, and not cover, but teach that material thoroughly, then at the end, they're going to be able to know or do what's in that standard, but they don't care about EE.1 or EE.12. Right. And, you, Alan, you said it's a checkbox on, a, on an evaluation. I totally agree. And one of my best evaluations ever, and I, won't, I don't even remember how the evaluation came out, but my feeling on the evaluation was I covered 19 standards in 15 minutes. And when she asked the one student, so what are you doing? And he says, well, we're designing a state machine that will control this traffic light. And she went, what you know and then came back to me later and said well what standards and i handed her all 19 standards i covered in 15 minutes and she was flabbergasted because the kids don't care about the standards i embedded them all into one project they knew the actionable steps and they knew the actionable steps right. and they can transfer those steps you know the one other thing that came to my mind with the background i have in stem education 
is when you can get that light bulb to come on with how much fun it is to solve a problem mm -hmm. and then revise it and make it better and better till you get to that final product. That's the thing that a lot of kids haven't experienced yet, so they really don't know what they're missing out on. Right. And that's part of the learning curve when they come to me because I do things differently. I am not your traditional teacher. You have to almost train them to not be they, in a traditional setting. You have to become weaverized. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, well, and I think that's... Oh, is that our next segment? Nice. That, that's our next part. So that, that is something that I know is, is a big part of your class is, is weaverizing the process. So tell us a little bit about what that means. Okay, so quick background story. Um, a student who I think she's maybe 35 years old. She lives in Japan and does some translations in the uh, engineering business world. Um, but she was one of my engineering students, and I said one day she was struggling in class. And I said, you haven't become weaverized yet. She's like, what does that mean? I said, I don't know. You make it up. You, know, you tell me what you think it means. So she came up with the definition of turning troubled youth into productive citizens. And I loved it. And she wrote it on a post-it note and stuck it on my computer screen. And I actually laminated it. I still have it to this day. Like I said, she's 35 now, at least 35. So weaverized is just think like I think. And again, I think we, like I said earlier <clears throat> in the segment, it's we make this too hard okay yes I have to be able to get up and come to work every day I do it I love it right I come to play I come to work and I get paid to play right and as soon as I can get the students to realize that it's that just like I said with our seniors our seniors show up mm -hmm. right and they're not all straight-a students I know I teach engineering oh you got the cream of the crop no you know I don't look at my class list I've got a number of them that are on the not, not to graduate list right now, mm -hmm. and we're busting tail to get them through what they need to do mm -hmm. to get it done. So no, I don't have the best of the best. I've got kids that have bought into the process, and that's that's the key. Is once you get that buy-in, and I know mm -hmm. I've had some of that same experience, not so much in a in an engineering setting, but with some of those principles in a science class and doing some of that STEM work. Yeah. Once you get the buy-in, it doesn't feel like working when you're designing, when you're working on stuff, when you're contributing, collaborating with kids, and they're having success doing right, that. Right. It's a blast. Well, that level of engagement becomes fun for the kids. I mean, right. education becomes fun. It's it's. You know, it's well, and what is education? It's just learning something new every day, which right. is one of my personal goals. Learn something new every I learn from the kids. Well, and I think that's with, with your with your weaverization. I mean, you think about one of your core things that you use in class, and that came from a student. I mean, yeah, the actual yeah, de definition came yeah. from a student, and it's something that's stuck all this time. Mm -hmm. So, a lot of our a lot of our best stuff when you get into that design thinking and that type of environment, the students come up with a lot of great things too. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we also talked um, a little bit, and this has happened the past few years, we've talked about students, like you said, you don't necessarily have the, the cream of the crop of, you know, our straight A students, our, our top graduates in class, but everybody has that preconceived notion that it's, it's CTE, you've, you know, they've met the prerequisites, they're going in, but even you've had students that uh, they come in and they don't want to do anything. Um, you know, how, how do you get them engaged? How do you... Oh, that's a good question. Um, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink, right? And, or or and, in some, and, some people say you can lead a horse to water, but you can't stick their head in it. Well, <laughs> then that's why I'm glad I don't have cameras in the classroom. No, just kidding. Um, one thing I've learned in 30 years is I can't coach effort, okay? Um, I've learned a long time ago. I believe it might have been my father said this, but I've heard other people say it. Um, I can change no one. I can only influence so this is where you need to build relationships with kids, uh, with students, um, with people in general. Um, you, know, uh, you know, as I look at um, some of the things I do in class of building relationships, and I'll get into this in more depth in, in the rest of our segment, but it's 
not just the relationship with that student so they, they learn to trust you, but I need to make a relationship to that student with the content I teach. Because if the student can't see why this is important to them, that's the, the awareness. Mm-hmm. The awareness of, and then worry about the how-to later. Mm-hmm. Make them aware this is here. Don't spend a lot of time on awareness. Just, hey, look, this is where this is at. When I'm talking about circuitry, I always hold up the cell phone. How many of you got a cell phone? They all hold it up. Mm-hmm. I said, how does it work? Well, you swipe here. No, 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 not the, How does it look? That's the eye candy. How does it actually work? Right. And that's how you start to hook them. Right. And again, is it 100%? Nope. If it was, I'd write a book and I wouldn't be sitting be on here. A, we'd, be on, <laughs> we'd be on a consulting tour letting everyone know absolutely, how you do it. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, that, it made me think of, quick, you know, quickly too, like even middle school science when we'd be working on things that seem to be far off from their everyday life, let's say like atomic structure, atomic mm-hmm. theory. They would say, well, why would we ever need to know this? And then you start to talk about, well, think about how many jobs there are in the medical field today and how some of these science concepts would relate to if you're talking about nursing or lab work. or, And then they can start to see, well, maybe I'm kind of interested in that and this might be something down the road I might need to know. So making those connections is, is definitely a big part of it. Well, providing those opportunities in class to explore those outlets. I mean, yeah. you just said, you even in your intro to engineering, you've had how many kids that, okay, I'm not going into engineering, but they end up in welding yep. or auto tech. And because, or nursing or, or nursing, whatever. Yeah, because they had the, the right opportunity. Program. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and the other thing I was thinking about that too, what you mentioned about the, the idea of influencing, because ultimately at the end of the day, only the student can give the effort. So really it comes down to being the best influencers that we can be right. as opposed to you know, influencing and motivating. And at the end of the day, it's really that's the reward when you see them giving that full effort because they're the ones that have to do it. Yeah. So Quick story. I got a success story of, of that same exact uh, as an example. So we had a student went through our uh, all four or all four years of our class. One, she was one of our better students. I'm like, she's going to make a nice engineer. So which type of engineering do you want to go into? She came to me in tears saying, I don't want to go into engineering. I'm like, okay, well, what are you going to do? I'm going, I'm going to go to Kent State and go into nursing. And because of all the CCP classes I've taken with you and with others, she says, I, can, I think I can graduate in three years. She just messaged me on Facebook. She's uh, on track to graduate in May after three years of college with a four-year nursing degree. Wow. Success. That's awesome. Yeah, that's huge. That's huge. All right. So as we move on, um, one of the things that we want to take, t- kind of take a look at, every teacher who's successful in the classroom really has some foundational things, some fundamental things that they do, routines, uh, processes, structures. So let's talk a little bit in the classroom for you uh, about some of the things that you do that make your class successful. Okay. Um, about This might have been about 10, 12 years ago. Um, there was a big emphasis in the district of getting parents involved in parent-teacher conferences. And that's a struggle in this inner city district. It, it is. It's getting the imperative. Now, the parents seem to be involved at the elementary and middle school. But once they get to the high school, I even know with my own children, I kind mm-hmm. of fell off with mm-hmm. staying in contact with their, their teachers. I, so, I don't know if that's even necessarily just an urban thing. I think even in other settings, yes, once right. high school comes, the parents kind of have the idea of either either my kid is, is doing well in school or they're not, but I don't want to hear the same story for the 12th right, straight year. Right, and, and I agree. And I'm in a, a, a rural district, uh, you know, and I, like I said, I even fell off as a teacher. Yeah. You know, I was that parent that would go to all the parent-teacher conferences, but they got to high school and they were doing well. Yeah, you're right. But I started doing student-teacher conferences. Um, and what that means is while I've got the students out exploring, working, whatever they're doing, again, not in a shop setting but in a classroom-type setting, 
and I'll just sit down one-on-one. -on -one. And the first question I ask when I call them over is, how are your grades? And every single student, the first time or second time we do this, says, well, my grade in your class is fine. Why, am I, why are you calling me over? Or, oh, I'm not doing so well in here. And I said, oh, I, don't, I know what you're doing in here. I said, I'm talking about all your classes. And we start talking, and they're like, oh. So then we start going through. And let's say that Joe is, is failing English right now, but he's passing every other class. And I'll say, what's going on in English? Oh, I don't like her. She's blah, blah, blah. Or I don't like him, you know. Well, did you go and talk to Mrs. So-and-so? Because I personally know her, and I think she's pretty cool. But I said, what do you do? Do you just sit in there and you sleep? Yeah. Well, you now need to put forth an effort. Now, am I getting through to them? No, but they're having a conversation about another class that I'm never in, but I already, I guess my experience level tells me what they're doing or not doing based on the instructor. Or let's say that I know that that teacher's a little difficult to get along with, because that happens, right? We don't get along with everybody. Right, personalities. Personalities, that, right? right. So give that kid a little bit, well, here's what I think you should do, and here's a website you can go to for help, and just get your work turned in, mm -hmm. you know? And that kid may pull a C then, you know, okay. because even though they didn't want to interact with that teacher because of the personality conflict, that's life. Yeah, but that just the relate also the relationship building of the fact that that student realizes, hey, th this guy actually cares about beyond yeah. his. Right, you're investing in them and their education. I mean, holistic education, right. not talk, just that class. I talk careers with them during yeah. that time. What uh -huh. do you want to do? I don't know. Well, what would you want to get paid to do the rest of your life? Mm -hmm. Play video games. Okay, now let's look at that for a second. You know, is that a real feasible top possible job? What about this avenue? Oh, I never thought of that, you know? And right. so we start looking at those. And again, my conversations change based on their age. Because right. my freshmen, my sophomores don't really know. Right. But the juniors, I start really pushing. Because you need to start thinking, what well, are you time's doing? Coming. Time's Clock's coming. Ticking. And I'm tired of, I'm just take, I'll say it, I'm tired of seeing former students, whether I had them for four years or not, at Walmart, hey, what are you doing? Well, I'm thinking of going to school. Well, yeah, you graduated 10 years ago. You know, right. well, what are you doing? You right. know? And, and I, that really got to me because, you know, that's that passion of they all, I need to save them all. And I've realized the realization is I'm not, but can I influence? So there, get, again, get as, as many as you can get and as many as you can influence. And you talk about those conferences too. You think about the, if you can help a few kids get a different mentality or a different attitude toward another teacher's class. Absolutely. It, it's a building wide thing that's kind of spreading, yeah, which is absolutely. awesome. Um, COVID was really fun. So one of my other things that makes me, I think, makes me really successful is creating of short videos. And when I say short videos, um, I think research says that um, people in general will watch seven minutes of a video. So my goal is to keep all my videos under seven minutes. Mm -hmm. Doesn't always happen. Um, but try to blunt and to the point, and here you go. I, so, I know I've had that same issue with some of what I do as a technology specialist in trying to keep those. For me, I even at times try to keep them into chunks below three. So yeah. even if you have a bigger topic that there's right. more there, if you can segment it. I mean, even what, as adults, we struggle to sit there right. and watch right. an instructional video. And, it, and it's video. only getting worse. I mean, right. oh, Twitter and TikTok. And absolutely. Well, I want it now. I want the, I want the answer. Right. That's the problem. Our kids have become tech-dependent, not tech-savvy, mm -hmm. and they want immediate feedback. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so we have to figure out how to, it's okay to fail and try again and not have the exact right answer the first time. Because mm -hmm. that's going to build character that's going to take them into their workforce you know, later in life. Well, you right. know, even think about us as adults. If I'm, trying to, if I'm trying to work on a project at home and I'm not sure about what I'm doing with maybe like a plumbing or an electrical project, and I go to YouTube University to figure it out, uh, I don't want to sit yeah. through the whole 15-minute video as a guy tells me about his I company and how long he's been right. in it. And so, you know, even now you think about Google has those algorithms that will take you to a direct place in the video yes. based on a search that That's you've made. That's pretty cool, so, actually. Yeah. I haven't yeah. figured that out in my at daily teaching to be able to do that. Yeah. But, yeah. 
But again, those short videos I think really helped. And then those are accessible by students all the time. So it doesn't matter 24 seven, they have links, they, they should know by now where that link's at and it's one stop shopping too, right. that's the other thing. Quit having 7,000 different tabs on a spreadsheet or you know, seven different files that they have to go to, right. which leads me into the next thing that's made me successful. And I have to give uh, Paul Donatelli a shout out here. I teach engineering with him. And the two of us over the past year and a half have really looked at how Google Classroom is horrible as far as, no, it's it's not bad. I'm not trying to downplay Google. But what happens We're is. We're going to end up having this podcast removed from uh, searches on Google. Oh, <laughs> sorry. No. What it is is. Let's, let me retract and talk about Facebook so or Twitter, right? We'll just retract them all. No. What it is is they get lost in their in the feed. So if I had a tweet from Canton City Schools or a Facebook post from Canton City Schools, but it's getting jumbled up with all the algorithms of the advertisements and whatnot, right? Um, the same thing's happening in Google Classroom to our students as I talk to them. They get lost, so a teacher moves on and posts a new assignment, and they can't remember where that assignment is. They're not savvy enough to scroll backwards in time. And so Paul and I came up with our one-stop shop as a spreadsheet goes. So we built our own learning management out of a spreadsheet. The students have one page to go to, and all the links are there to take them where they need to go. Yeah. And so that's another thing that's helped us become successful is to try to not it burden them. It's that, it's that cognitive overload, yeah, right? right? Um, where in Google Classroom, if I'm a student and I have seven classes, I have seven different ways of managing. You know, so again, right. seven feeds that I'm, seven get feeds lost that I'm getting lost right. in. And if I don't like that teacher, I don't like the subject. Now it's worse. Right. right? Well, you know, the one of the things too that, that I guess a couple, couple of things that, I, that, that brings that to mind there. Uh, the first thing would be that with Google Classroom, I mean, really, that's if you think about like a district that's using the, the Google fun, Education Fundamentals. I mean, right. it's a free service yes, that yes, we're using. Yeah. And, and so, you know, it's meant to be very basic. And obviously with what you guys are doing, especially with upperclassmen, you've got a more complex system. But at the same time, you're trying to simplify things a little bit right. where they're not taking something that is really a basic learning management system and then getting, as you said, getting lost. And then that you have to multiply that out by seven. The other thing that I think of, too, now you're also working on spreadsheet skills. Well, so they're getting another. So the transferable skills, yes, absolutely. So as I look at, as, as, as we keep, meeting our TBTs, me and Paul, and we start talking and how we've even refined, we're going to refine it more for next semester to make it even a little simpler for the students, but managing files, file management is crazy. I mean, I have almost 700 gigabytes in my Google Drive because of videos and different things, mm -hmm. but it's, how do you manage all that? Gosh, I thought I was doing good at 200. Right. No, <laughs> I, I, nobody's beating me here. Um, <laughs> it's a competition now, um, but you talked about the transferable skills. So I don't think we talk enough about that. And Paul and I, during COVID, because we had lots of planning time doing everything virtual, um, started to say, well, what do we want our students to walk away from this course with? And then we went from course down to unit, and then from unit down to lesson. Back what course do they design. Need? Yes, mm -hmm. reverse engineering. Um, we do it all the time in engineering, right? We, right? we steal somebody else's idea, right? So none of this is my work. I've stole every over 30 years, stole other people's right. work and right. tried to make it work for me. Even the, even the best teachers, nobody's really uh, designing something that's groundbreaking and absolutely right, new right, knowledge. Right. We're all just using some variant or some iteration that or somebody we else We shouldn't have to. We know things that work and, and that right. work well. Let's now modify it to our And our find out groups. what strategies. I know it's kind of bad, but what strategies work for me? Because, again, this right. is, this podcast is for to help teachers, right? Um, 
but the transferable skill is huge. So what skill are they going to take away with them? I have a young man I just talked to oh, about two years ago, thanked me for teaching him to measure. And if that's the only thing he learned, I'm kind of sad that I didn't do better, right? Because that's at the yep, beginning of the year. But he learned something. But he's working at a cabinet shop making really good money because he's the one kid that can right. measure. Right. Boy, okay, and, so and transferable put, well, skill. Put a kid with a tape measure and try to get a measurement down to a 16th of an inch, right. and there's not a lot of kids who could do that. Right. Or adults, for that matter. Uh, uh, absolutely. So, But, yeah, you know, I look at being able to link files. They are collaborative. It's communication. It's problem solving. I even go into ethics a little bit teamwork um, because I have a rule in my classroom ask three ask me so after I've taught it you need to ask three other people mm -hmm. right or if they say I don't understand they are not allowed to say that anymore I have a poster on my wall that says you can't say I don't understand ask you me have, a question you have, you have to say Mr. Weaver I've honestly given this no thought will you help me <laughs> okay because if they use the rule ask three ask me then if those four people can't answer the question I need to do some reteaching Right. So that's my formative feedback that's, real quick yeah, that, I, that, that I've missed at least these four students on this content. You know, and for anybody in the teaching world, you know that I, I don't get it or I don't understand is generally code for I would like you to lead me through this because I haven't really thought it through, too, my hand held. Through, through too well or I don't even have a specific question to ask. You so. said it nicer than I did, but I uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just a question I had about that Google Sheet that you yeah. guys mm -hmm. use as your learning yeah. management system. So how do the students, like what's your process for them actually turning in work if you as you ah. set the spreadsheet up? So now there's more transferable skills. So let's Let's say that I'm building something in our 3D software and I want to be able to view that. Well, I either have to go to their computer and view it or they have to email me the file, right, or attach it in Google Classroom. Then I have to download it and then open it. Too many steps, too yep. many clicks. I need to be able to see is this quality work being turned in, right? So I've taught them how to export those files into a PDF or whatever version that Google is friendly with. Um, and, and there's a lot of them, but PDF is, is the easy one. Easiest, yeah. And then once they take that file from their computer hard drive into their Google Drive, I've taught them how to back files up in a cloud, right, which is a skill. Right. And then how, Also how, a mystery for a lot of adults, uh, cloud storage. Cloud storage, yes, yep. it is. I, I agree. Then grabbing a shareable link from that, and then they insert the link in the spreadsheet. So now, if you just think of that whole process, all those transferable skills, because maybe I need to, I have told them, hey, send me the link in an email. Well, how do I do that? Well, right. how did you do it in the, uh, in the spreadsheet? spreadsheet. Yeah. Oh, it's the same. Yep. How do I attach a file? Oh, so all these little skills. Um, we, Paul and I actually start off every single class, so 9 through 12. Our 12th graders hate us when we get to the first day of school because we assign the professional email assignment the first day of school. Mm -hmm. I don't care if you've ever seen me before or not. You're going to have to send me a professional email on the first day of school. Mm -hmm. And they're absolutely atrocious, right, at the younger at the years, right? right? But our juniors and seniors now that have been with us, boom, they're done. And, and again, we only, it's a pass-fail piece. Mm -hmm. I don't care if you spend the entire nine weeks trying to figure that out. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's worth one point binary. It's on or off. You did it or you didn't. Right. And I want application. So I'll have a junior who won't do it right. And I keep assigning it to them weekly. Until you have to get, get until you get it right. Uh -huh. Our seniors now, if they send us an email, cause they, and they are very good at communicating with us. They're just not always professional about it. If there's no subject, we respond to them. There's no subject. They will not answer this email. 
and they have to create a whole new thread with a proper subject and mm -hmm. so our seniors get so mad at us mm -hmm. but again it's that's transferable a, skills. a transferable skill and also a good life skill regardless that's, of what profession yeah. you're going we talk about tech skills i'm like those, those are workplace tech skills yeah. any place you go you have to be able to you know draft an email appropriately and and you know the the linking the goo the fact that Google's you know in businesses all around. I mean even Microsoft has has a lot of similar type uh, features. Yeah, absolutely. So, the fun one is when a, a student will come to us and say, "Look at this email from an administrator," and the information's all in the subject. <laughs> <laughs> and we chuckle about it. I say, "Well, you go tell them that." They aren't very professional. Anymore. I ain't yeah, I'm that. not saying that. <laughs> that's fun. That happens too. Oh man. <clears throat> so you, I mean, you've kind of alluded this uh, throughout, you know, our conversation today and a lot in the past about these transferable skills. And at no point have I heard you reference that you're teaching to a test. Right. But you guys do have a test you prepare for. We do, and the test is a written multiple guess test. Um, so the application, yeah, the application piece there is embedded and it's actually some of the questions i mean n nobody's perfect at test writing so some of the questions are very well written but they're so deep level in the thinking okay and sam uh, i won't mention his last name on here but he's at akron u right now getting ready to graduate with a mechanical engineering degree and if you ask sam what he learned from mr weaver he's going to say mr weaver said it's always about the process Okay, so it's always about the process. Um, being able to apply w the knowledge, the whether it's base knowledge, core knowledge, or, or depth of knowledge, to that question, again, you have to embed that right in your everyday thinking. I, I think I might have said earlier, fail often to succeed sooner. I want my students to fail over and over and over because then they learn from their mistakes. At least you hope they do. That's the, that's the vision of the process. So they'll, um, a lot of my uh, stuff we do are CNC programming. We get into mills and, and different machines. Everything's simulated. I let them fail and fail and fail in simulation. And no, I showed you how to do these two lines. These lines aren't much different. Figure it out. Mm -hmm. And it's due this date. Here's your due date. And I'm moving on. So I was just wondering, in a class like yours, with you've got so much awesome equipment for the kids to get into, um, some of the things you're doing with projects and design, how, how do you, the type of questions that they're going to see, how do you actually build that into the activities that you do so that when the first time they take the test, it's not a complete surprise and they have a little bit of a background, even though you're not teaching the test on a day. Right, so I'll talk about my manufacturing course, because when you asked that question, this is what popped into my head. So I'm teaching them GNM code, how to code a machine. To, to perform a, a task. And on the test, they're going to give them a couple lines of code and ask, what shape does it make? Hmm. So they have to translate the code. Mm -hmm. And another thing is, and, and there's a lot of like little things you can do, and again, this is my world, so I, I'd have to look at other contents and see how we could apply it, but the right-hand rule. So math deals with an X and Y plane. Well, in, in my manufacturing, we're dealing X, Y, and Z. So the right-hand rule, if they make an L with their right hand, stick their middle finger at their nose and look at it, that's the right-hand rule for th three-dimensional design. X, Y, and Z. X, yeah. y, and, Z. and the fingers are the positives. If you go opposite of the finger, it's negative. Negatives. And they're like, oh, and they can rotate that any way they want. Spatial in space reasoning. And spatial reasoning. Yep. So they can start figuring things out. And I watch them on their scratch paper drawing this thing out on a piece of paper because what I started with with this sim they had to lay everything out on an XY coordinate plane, two-dimensional, 
find all their XY coordinates, then translate it into the Z coordinate. And they've done this all forward thinking instead mm -hmm. of reverse, mm -hmm. but this question is now reverse. Mm -hmm. So because I make them hand code that in their activities, and they think, I just got a take home. Look, I made my initials, mom in a block, you know? Right. And they but think that's so cool. That's but they now have a skill. And because I've hammered, 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 and let the blood, sweat, and tears of writing the code, mm -hmm. that question should be very easy for yeah. them. Yeah. Well, and there's there's definitely transfer to that. Let's say even in an English class or a math class. Like an English class, for example, if you know you're going to have uh, a lot of questions involving reading a, set, uh, a piece and then getting a main idea. Mm -hmm. If you're working on those type of skills throughout yep. the year, regardless of the content, they're going to have a foundation in the right. things that you've taught them throughout. So definitely an application there. And the other thing I was thinking, as you mentioned that with the X, Y, and Z uh, planes and, and the, the spatial awareness, yeah, doing some STEM stuff at the middle school level, mm -hmm really see right away what a challenge that is for kids early on to think spatially. Oh. Well, it's to like think, math, geometry, think, yeah, same geometry. thing. Geometry is one of the easiest courses we teach in the high school. Sorry, Alan. Um, <laughs> it's not the easiest class to teach, but it is all spatial sense. Yeah, and yeah. then the application of where does the centroids, I'm sure when you taught centroids, students were like, bah, what is this? Oh, yeah. They right? Yep. But then you come to, if, if it was taught the way I teach it, with an actual physical object and what where that center of gravity is and how this works, that visual spatial sense. I don't deal with all the formulas. I deal with the actual piece of material falling off the table. The usage. The, the usage of it. And then if we could collaborate on that, so then teachers that are listening to this, collaborate with your industrial arts people, you know, whoever those people are, math, they go hand in hand. I, I think Well it can give you a it can give you a tangible real world physical thing to integrate oh, yeah. into your, your concepts and theories from a math class. Well, I stepped out of the classroom, and I, that's the first thing I said I wish I had when I was in the classroom was more time to collaborate with yes. you and yeah. Paul. And yeah. it's like Because you finally get to see it, right? Oh, yeah. And we don't do enough of that. Isn't that what TBTs are all about? I hate that word, by the way. Um, <laughs> and that, ah. But just like we're doing right now, we're having a conversation around how do we take young people to the next level? Mm -hmm. right. How do we take ourselves to the next level? Right. Well, and that's actually, that's a little bit of how this whole podcast idea actually was launched in that we had some time last year when we shared an office together oh, yeah. and just working on like mundane tasks that might come up and then conversations about education and really some great ideas were shared that you wish you'd had more time for when you were teaching. Yeah. Yeah. Invention's the necessity of need, right? I invent something because I need it. Right. And it doesn't exist. Right. So with that being said, we're kind of moving on to our last uh, last part of the show here. And one of the things that we'd like to do when we have uh, guests come in is just think about some advice that you might have. First of all, for new teachers, we've got in our building this year, we have several new teachers or even maybe a veteran teacher who just needs maybe a little boost or a little bit of a jump start mm -hmm. where they've been kind of in, in a routine or in a rut and they're just not feeling that same level of motivation or passion that they that they had. Uh, what are some things that you might uh, give as far as advice goes? Okay. <clears throat> so I'm going to start out with the formula for success, which I know you've both been in my classroom and I have this posted everywhere and I don't even know if the kids look at it, but I do. Um, mm -hmm. So my, <laughs> my formula for success, I was trying to be silly at one point, and I said the sum of R to the fourth and P to the fifth multiplied by soft skills and weaverization equals success. So this is what that means. <laughs> you need some advice to revamp or, or new. Okay, so the five Ps. Let's talk about what, what I live, try to live by. Be present. you got to be in class, you and the students. You have to be there. Be prepared. Know where you're going. Okay, um, I'm at a point in my career that I have my lesson plans done for actually 
my digital class is done for the year because um, that's something I've done and I'm very passionate about, so it's, it's pretty easy. But I at least try to have the first nine weeks done before I ever walk through the door. And do those lesson plans ever stay true? Never. Ever. So you got a plan. You, so you, I have, have a plan. plan. Okay, I have a map, a road map that I can follow, and I adjust. You know? Right. Um, and I never really quite put this together until I started teaching at, at our STEAM Academy here in Canton that our lesson plans really are a great example of the design process mm -hmm. where we're getting our first iteration when you sit down the week before, the month before, whenever that is, and then not only over the course of, of years, but over the course of the week when you're teaching those, you're adjusting those and adapting them Absolutely. to make them better, to make them a better fit, and it really is the design process and lesson plans. Right, and a key word there that we need to add is reflect. So as mm -hmm. soon as you're done, especially new teachers, as soon as you're done teaching a lesson, I know you're tired, reflect on it. Beat yourself up if you have to, but that reflection is what drives that design process right. later. Right. When it's right. already in your head. I mean, yeah. I, I knew when I was teaching if it was already going well or, or not, right. and then what I would start doing next period. But to make write, it, write it write. down. Yeah, and there's the key, because yep. if you don't, you will forget, because I speak from experience. Right. Well, but I mean, you're well, already having that thought to begin well, with, right. so like you're saying, document it. And yeah. just, another, I guess, another plug from one of the things we talked about last time, the idea of doing your lesson plans on a spreadsheet. Right. Um, mm -hmm. That's a, a chance to reflect. If you're doing a spreadsheet where you can just go through and comment to yourself of yes. all the things that come up, then you don't even have to write it down. Yep. And so we, we'll, we'll try to stop saying that dirty word spreadsheets, but I'll tell you what, <laughs> you, need, you need to learn them. Um, okay, so we were present, we are prepared. Be positive. Nobody can ruin your day unless you let them. Be passionate. Obviously, you can probably hear it in my voice. I'm passionate about what I do. Um, and if you're not passionate, you need to maybe rethink things. I'm just being honest, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, why make yourself miserable? And, and again, we all got into education, hopefully for the right reasons, mm -hmm. not the summer break. Because to me, it's not summer break. That's my reflection time, and that's why I can come into school. You know, I don't spend every day on it. I still have fun in the summer. But I'm able to walk in the door day one, and I have a plan. Be You're ready to go. And, and the students go, know yeah. that. Well, we're doing something today. Well, yes, we are. Everybody sent me School a professional started. email. Yep. 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 You know, you were off yesterday. Um, and then be productive. Each and every day, you know, moving towards your goal. Um, a motto of the Marines is improvise, overcome, and adapt. And honestly, if I have to reflect on myself, I'm the epitome of that because I'm improvising all the time. My lesson that went great the last two years, I roll, I'm rolling out, out to here in about 45 minutes. Uh, to the students, and I'm not sure where it's going to go. I have a very good group of students, and I'm excited that it'll go well. But then, what if I start crashing and burning on the fly? Be you ready know? to adapt. Be yeah. ready to adapt because that's going to happen, yeah. guaranteed. Yeah. So, those are the five P's. Well, I was just gonna, one other thing I was yeah, going to throw in there when you talk a little bit about just that idea of being productive every day. I, it took me, I think I was probably in about year 20 of my career when I realized. For me, it was always the thing that I kept in my mind, and sometimes I'd share with the students too, was just keep chopping wood. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> you know, some days, especially at the middle school level, you know, some days are going to be crazy. Some days you're going to unfortunately not get nearly as much done as you want. But every day you, you use those other things. You talked about the positivity and being present mm -hmm. and just keep chopping wood, and eventually the tree's going to come down. Yeah, so. absolutely. You know, I have lists everywhere of little, like, task lists, you know, not my honeydew list that my wife gives me because that thing will never end. Um, but yeah, chip away at the list. You know, if I can knock this off the list today, this is something I wanted to accomplish for personal or for professional, you know, and, and I think that's, that's very good advice. And then, yeah, uh, so that's the four, the five P's, the four R's. And I think this might be something you just have to, you have to remember. This is maybe the meat and potatoes of the whole success formula. 
you have to build relationships, not only with the person, but with the content. Okay, we talked about that earlier. You have to have relevance, okay? And, and again, there's these next two words are kind of those dirty words in education, but here's how I bring them to light. Relevance, why are you teaching this to the students? Why do they need to know this? Okay, so you do have to pick that out. I'm not teaching this to the students because the state of Ohio says I have to teach this to the students because it's one of my standards. No, what, how are they going to be able to use that later mm -hmm. in life? In life, yeah. Okay, um, rigor. Um, I do not make it easy to get an A. I have I had a student. What? what? So I had a student at Mount Union, and his advisor there happens to be a friend of mine, so this is how I found out this information. And when they looked at his transcripts when he was applying to the College of Engineering, they said, um, he says, you know, I look at your transcripts, you have all straight A's, but I see some blemishes on your transcript. I, I'd like you to explain those to me. And so the kid looks at the transcripts, he's like, that was Mr. Weaver's class. He said, he is so hard. He, I had a B here, and I, yeah, I'd see here, I kind of screwed around my sophomore year, um, and then I ended up with a B and then a B. And, and the advisor says, well, it was only the first nine marking period that you got those grades. You had A's the rest of the time. Well, yeah, he won't lower his standards. Don't make it easy to get an A. Well, what, right? a, great, what a great working. compliment. It was. And, yeah. and again, I see this guy in the community, and he says, I got to tell you this story I had. Do you remember so-and-so? I said, yeah, I do. You know, and I can't change that. If, if when I and unfortunately, Paul and I see that happening with both of us. We're like, well, we'll just give them another day to do this. Right. Well, now our scope and sequence is way right. off track, right. and and just the responsibility, the, the job place skills you're looking for, and yes. getting stuff done on a timely basis. But and, moving on and them not learning anything is also bad. So you right. kind of have to adapt to that and balance try that to balance that's that. That's the out. teaching part. It I is. mean, but, but holding that expectation right there shows that if you hold that high expectation, the kids going to reach it. Well, yeah, he wanted it. Yeah. He took it, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, and that's where my CCP class right now, I think I have 10 students in it, and I have two Bs. The rest are A's, and I'm like, how is this possible? But it's because I'm holding them to a high standard, and they've, they've all accepted it. So that's, I mean, I think it's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And I, I almost think I'm doing something wrong. That's something to celebrate. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It is. I think when you, what you talked about with your grading, the grading scale too is, and I found it in my class, I felt like I finally hit that sweet spot when it was, when it was easy for a kid to do well if they put effort in, but really hard to get an A. Yeah. And that's kind of, that kind yeah. of the spot. You don't want the class where it's so difficult that they just feel defeated from the beginning. Right. But let that A really mean something that right. if you, if you earn this A, you earned it mm -hmm. and right. you had to master something yeah. to get Absolutely. there. Absolutely. You know, I tell my students, it's an easy C. Show up, do the bare minimum of what I'm asking. Well, that's you meeting have expectation. A right. we, yeah, we, it's we the, talked about this. Right, we, shouldn't, we should throw grades away. Yeah. You're either on task, above, or below. Yeah. There's where you should be, right? If everybody's special, nobody's special. Right. <laughs> Why reward the norm? Right. Why am I giving a student uh, a reward for missing three days of school and having almost perfect attendance? Mm -hmm. Sorry, I threw that out there. Um <laughs> Yeah, we, 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 anyways, moving on. So relationships, relevance, rigor, those three, the sum of them equal results. So if you can put all that into your teaching, you'll see results. Mm -hmm. and, and I've seen those results, you mm -hmm. know, and I call that my formula for success. Again, soft skills, huge. We've, uh, my advisory committee is telling me that uh, students that are coming even out of college cannot talk to adults mm -hmm. face to face. Mm -hmm. Don't want to shake hands, so that's one thing we embed in. Eye contact. Eye contact, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we're on a podcast right now, but we're all making eye contact with this right. conversation. Right. Right? Um, if you walk into my classroom and you don't get greeted by a student who's standing out there, if they don't see you, that's one thing. But if 
they're there and they don't greet you, I want to know about it. Because that's part of the expectation when you're in our programs is that a client might walk in the door. Yeah. And I want that client to feel welcome. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Well, that, that is really something that I think with that formula you've developed, reminds me a little bit, uh, thinking back at like college basketball, John Wood and his pyramid mm-hmm. of success, you've kind of got your own formula there yeah. uh, mm-hmm. with the things that it takes that you found over all this time in education that's going to lead to success and, and help students to be successful. Well, that brings us to the end of the episode. Um, this has been a blast. Hopefully you've enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I know we, we've definitely enjoyed having you on and uh, getting a chance to learn a little bit more about your views on education, some of the things that you've been successful working with students. Uh, these have been really interesting things to find out more about. I uh, hope everybody listening has found something that can be useful, uh, that you can apply in whatever capacity that you work with students. If you've been enjoying the podcast, please remember to subscribe, rate, and write us a review. You can find previous episodes of Teaching in Tech with Alan and Chad on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts.